This is Rugger Matrix America. Yes, Rugger Matrix America, episode 39 with Juro Sen, Bruce McLean and Alex Goff. Special guest today, Sevens coach, guru extraordinaire, Al Caravelli. Yes, hello and welcome to episode 39 of Rugger Matrix America. In a moment to Alex Goff, but first to Bruce McLean. And Bruce, good to see that you've uh, recovered somewhat from that uh, neck surgery. I saw the photos and uh, gee, it looked pretty rough, but you're, you're okay. That's good to hear. Yeah, let me tell you, Bronk, that was some serious stuff. I thought it was going to be a little bit routine and and what was routine turned out to be extremely serious, extremely dangerous I have 16 screws, two rods, no discs, a completely rebuilt neck, and uh, it was very, very painful. My, I have some serious nerve damage, and I hopefully it all comes back. But it's seeming to be pretty good. I, uh, I'm, I'm starting to wean myself off of the Keith Richards drugs so that I don't turn into <laughs> Keith Richards. But then again, if I'm going to have hundreds of millions of dollars and be a a, a great big star that would be that would be awesome unfortunately that's that that wouldn't be the case i would just have the drug problem of keith richards <laughs> <laughs> well it's good to hear you're okay and, uh, and it all went reasonably well because it's a dangerous area bruce uh, great to have you back on and to the west coast and alex goff from rugbymag.com hello alex well, my head is swiveling just fine, left to right, up and down. I have no problems whatsoever, uh, having been smart enough to uh, quit playing in the front row a lot earlier than uh, than Bruce did. So, all right, Alex, good to hear from you and uh, Bruce. A special guest today for episode thirty-nine. Introductions, please. Yes, our special guest today is the current United States of America sevens coach Al Caravelli, who also was a longtime coach of the New York Athletic Club Sevens program and, and recently has gone back a little bit to the New York AC in Sevens and, 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 and done a bit of work with, with the boys this year. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to get out and, and, and watch a few practices and, and learn a few things. So without further ado, let's bring on the man himself. Welcome to the show, Al. Thank you very much, Bruce. Very happy to be here. You do a lot of work uh, in front and behind the scenes, but uh, globally, the the American team is is really starting to make people stand up and take notice. Well, I think uh, th- thank thanks for those kind words. Uh, you know, I don't think it's any any more work or harder work than any of my peers do across the circuit. It's it's what's required to. Uh, to really compete and you try to instill that same work ethic in, um, in your athletes, your players that come on board. And we've been very fortunate that, uh, the players are really taking to it, uh, believe that, uh, there is no substitute for hard work and, and really focus. You know, it, it's, a it's an easier, uh, game for the American public to understand, uh, seven aside, and I personally believe it's it's the way to reach the American public a little bit faster than the the game of fifteens. You have a lot, you have a camp coming up, and I think that 
what we need to do right now is I'd like to find out who has been invited to your camp, who are, uh, who are some of the notable newcomers, and who are some of the people who probably notable who've been left off the list, and what are your plans and expectations for the next few months? I know that you have the beginning of the IRB7 series will be in Dubai on December 3rd and 4th, and I'd like to hear what, you know, what your plans are for the camp, who's going to be there, and um, you know, who are some of the people we should be looking at as, as newcomers to the whole scene. Sure, good, fair enough. Um, you probably know Bruce and Bronk and Alex. We had a selection camp that we usually do at the end of, of the month of September where we bring in uh, the athletes that are identified during um, the year and, and our domestic sevens competition. Um, so we, we had about, uh, just under 40 athletes there. Um, and then the, we will have 20 attending, uh, the camp that will be used to select the uh, players, as you said, for the first leg of the IRB circuit, both uh, Dubai and George. So, uh, I'll just take you through a little bit. We have, uh, James Aldridge, uh, Marco Barnard, Garshan Blaze. Mark Bachhoven, uh, Justin Boyd, Miles Craigwell, Matt DeGudis, Dimitri Efetami Pau, uh, Matthew Hawkins, Colin Hawley, PJ Kamanyan, Atta Malifa, uh, Nessie Malifa, Kyle Marshall, Taylor Mulcate, Zach Pang- Pangalinen, Mili Pulu, Nu Funimata, Jason Pai, Alex Ross, Roland Suniula, Shalom Suniula, and Zach Test. Now, three of those athletes are actually going with um, our 15s team to, to Europe. So they will still be considered for selection uh, to Dubai. And that's uh, Colin Hawley, uh, Nessie Malifa, and Zach Test. I think you have a mixture of youth and experience there, Al. And I was wondering, Leonard Peters, is, is he injured? No, uh, uh, Leonard Peters uh, has some family issues to contend to. Um, uh, he has, uh, he's got to stay with the old father. Um, so he's definitely still in the mix, but that's one of the reasons why he didn't go to the ARC competition, uh, nor had the ability to go uh, with the 15s team. He's definitely on, on Eddie's uh, radar as well. Al, the, uh, the, the, the squad that you've picked, you know, there are a lot of numbers, a uh, lot of lot of players in there that that fans will say, okay, yeah, that seems to to make sense, and and there are always some players who jump in, uh, sort of, well, not really out of nowhere, but they jump in mo- mostly out of the club competition, and I think that um, anybody in in the Midwest knows who Matt Degutz is, but maybe some some people outside of that region may not know him too well, and Nuu Punimata, uh, who plays at Old Puget Sound. Uh, sort of came through during the the, the national club championships. So th- those are two club guys who came through, have come through in the last couple of months, I guess. And the other guy that jumps out is someone people may not know all that much about uh, is Taylor Mokeda from uh, University of Oklahoma. He's a USA under twenty guy, but but they may not know much about that about those guys. So tell tell us a little bit about how they broke through in, to get into this camp. Sure. Well, we'll start with the first one that you mentioned, uh, Matt Degutis. You know, he uh, he's been playing a couple of years with 
uh, Chicago Lions. He's a big, powerful forward that that's in the same mold of Matt Hawkins and and uh, Mark Bachoven. So, yeah, he's got good pace, good size. He's a former football player, actually played football at Dartmouth. Um, so, you know, great size. Uh, he's got excellent speed, uh, good footwork in the uh, in the contact area, and he's a solid defender. So he did what a lot of guys did, put in a lot of hard work. Uh, throughout the season, I saw huge improvements uh, under the things that he had control over from last season to this season. And he performed very well at camp, and he got the nod to you know to attend this camp. Um, the next guy you mentioned was a new Nuesa Punimata. Uh, you know, is a American Samoan uh, kid, and when I first started looking at at him, I would look at the roster, and I thought I was looking at the wrong guy because he's blonde That's hair, right. blue eyes, with freckles. So you know, <laughs> I never saw a Samoan that way, uh, but he's a uh, he's. He played football um, at uh, El Paso, uh, was an outside linebacker. And so I think about the same, you know, powerful guy. He's about six foot four, 238 pounds, uh, very powerful, supported a lot um, with Puget Sound. He would have come, he actually missed out on the camp due to a pulled hamstring that he received at the National All Star Championship, but I saw enough in him that I thought I'd give him the, the shot to come to this camp and earn a spot. Uh, for the Dubai tour. And then uh, Taylor Mokate, he's another real big uh, young man. Uh, as you mentioned, Alex, he was on our U-20 team, and he disappeared for three years. And I believe that this is kind of like uh, our crossover athletes of the future, where this young man learned to play rugby in high school. Uh, we lost him once he hit college because he played football at uh, – University of Oklahoma, which is a very big time football program for your international uh, listeners. Um, he played tight end, um, and he actually reminds me a lot of a young Matt Hawkins. He's very powerful. He's about 250 pounds, um, six foot four, with very good speed and uh, and a massive hitter. Now that's a little bit on those three. Just fortunate that they are three big forwards. Al. Yesterday we were speaking prior to the show, doing a little prep. I, I was talking about my my favorite USA Sevens um, championship was was probably your least favorite USA Sevens was when Argentina won the USA Sevens championship, playing of an extremely confrontational style of of rugby of, of rugby sevens where they just kind of went up your guts offloaded ruck you know they really just it, it it wasn't the old you know duck brothers move the ball back up you know find a space and then accelerate through the hole and 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 you were talking about you know that was the way it was when you were young and you were playing move the ball move the ball maneuver bodies get the mismatch and go that now you you know that sevens is turning. Now you could also tell the story about why that was your least favorite because that was also you got screwed big time. But um, you could also uh, you could tell us all the athletes that you're selecting are now these guys are some big powerful cats, and 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 where you know you're looking at a, at guys like Aldridge, who was a thousand yard rusher for Notre Dame as one of your smaller guys. So, you know, that, that's, that, that says 
kind of what you're uh, what the kind of athlete you're looking at. So if you could just talk us through the like, who do you have coming up? How are you going to beat them? And and what what how are you going to use this like American kind of machismo, you know, you know, confrontational style of of rugby to, to good effect for us? Sure. Uh, yeah, you make very good points. And yesterday, as we discussed that. Uh, Sevens used to always be said that, uh, you know, sevens is a game to outmaneuver your opponent and fifteens is a game to outpower your opponent. But the game of sevens, as you said, Bruce, it's changed quite a bit. Uh, All the athletes are much faster, are much stronger, are bigger, and the defense is is getting better and better uh, for all teams. So you really can't use the old style of, you know, pulling out and running backwards you, when you when you are trapped, you have to go forward. Um, we like to say that you know we are going to try to avoid as much contact as possible. But when we do in, when we do go go to initiate contact, we initiate it on our terms. So you know Argentina, we took. A, I think we've started to develop our own style of play, um, but it's uh, it, it's it's a little bit. I think we could take us uh, from Argentina where. You know, they're small, but they're very strong and they do dominate a lot in the contact area. They love to play the ball on the ground uh, where they can counter ruck and also maintain their possession. And that's something that that we really look for. So when you when people say that, you know, what special techniques do I need in sevens? Well, it's actually the same fundamentals that you would require in a game of 15s. You know, the ball placement is critical when you possess the ball. So when we go into contact, we want to stay on our feet as much as possible. When we're brought to the ground, that ball placement to put it away from your body and, you know, and the different ways to do it, the squeeze ball, you know, totally um, uh, I, I, what we call you know, getting, the sm- you know, getting that gate as small as possible. That's what we try and do so that we can move the ball away quickly. Um, we also have a little saying that you know, we'd like to keep only – uh, three guys in a ruck being the, t- the ball carrier who was tackled, the sealer, and the scrum have to pass away. But we'll commit as many people to the ruck to maintain possession. If we got to commit all seven guys, we will. Um, and then also, if our ball placement is, is, is good, uh, where somebody has a complete long body on it, um, hopefully we'll not even have to have a scrum half there and we'll and just continue to try to accelerate the game. And Al, this is where the precision of sevens has now changed immensely. One mistake, then you're gone. That's correct. You you have no. You know, that's There's what no I think. Leeway. Sevens, There's no leeway. There is no leeway. You make one mistake. You know, from a defensive standpoint, you miss a tackle. That's usually a try. When you have the ball, if you turn it over, now you've lost possession. If it happens to be on your end, you know, two quick passes. And all that work that you put into it, the opposition will make you pay. So what's the, what's the number one thing? You talk about possession. What is the number one thing you drill into your team? Well, that's the, you know, from an attack perspective, we say uh, that what we want to do is maintain possession at, at all costs. Okay, that, that's the real, real critical piece. Uh, we want to create space um, and keep the ball alive as much as possible. So even if that's going into contact, um, we want to attack the space, and when we attack the space, what's critical is supporting. You know, so we always want to support 
in groups of three. And then the last part, of course, very simple, same as in 15s, is when we do that, we want to score tries. And you have to be fit. Are you fit? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, a, a lot of people will ask me, you know, what, what do I look for when, when, uh, when we select these athletes? And I get very frustrated sometimes when, when, a, when a player will ask me, you know, if you select me to one of your camps, I'll get real fit. And, you know, if, if a young man can't get fit and motivated on his own, you know, by me selecting him or, or him being identified by another coach, he's not going to get fit. We want to see that individual commitment because that's something people could do on their own. And we'll give them all the, the tools necessary. You know, we'll send them fitness programs, help them as much as possible to get fit. But the fitter you are, the more you'll enjoy the game of sevens and rugby in general. Al, uh, this is Alex Goff uh, jumping in. The it's I, I sent this to you a while ago, I think, and uh, we talked about it a little bit. It was an article that I ran across about your uh, your uh, starting with the USA Sevens team back in 2005, and I thought it was very interesting that at the time uh, y- you were saying pretty much the same thing. You were trying to preach this new new uh, approach toward sevens and, and you said you can't necessarily outmaneuver your opponent you might have to over, overpower them and the, and I, I think the the one thing that always stuck out with me in this is I'd like us to win the battle on the ground have you had to change the types of players you look for uh, or have you had to change the players that you have, have you, you know like you said with the, the with the mental approach on the fitness have you had to change the mental approach in terms of how they approach sevens and perhaps in a broader sense all the way through the clubs and through the territorial teams try to get other coaches to change their approach to sevens so you can compete internationally yeah i don't you know i, I when i first started uh coaching we had that first camp in 2006 i thought that i knew the style of play that I'd like to have a uh, play. So I was trying to find uh, the players to fit that mold. And then I realized that, you know, that wasn't the right way to do it, that I wanted to pick the, the best athletes. Um, and of course, when I say the athletes across the board that, that have good rugby skills as well, that can pass, you know, right and left handed, um, running at pace, that have good lines of running, that are good defenders. And then once I selected those 12, then what I tried to do is formulate a game plan that would help those athletes, you know, win games basically. So we're very fortunate that, that we have a good mix. You know, our, our forwards are very powerful um, and very athletic. They're very fast. And those guys are really our, our ball winners and, and the guys that uh, get us going forward. And uh, a big contrast from when I first started, I was really struggling for decent uh, scrum halves and fly halves. And now we really have a, a nice uh, Shalom Suniula is really coming into his own. Uh, Marco Barnard is a bulldog, um, and he's so versatile that he could play you know, one through six for us. Um, we have Tyanosa, uh, Zach Pangalinen, uh, Nessie Malifa. Uh, Atta coming back off of injury. So, you know, those are all very quality playmakers. Um, in the center position, it seems every time we uh, we get a good center and 
he starts to really develop. You know, Chris Wiles was our first one. He went and, and Kevin Swearin and of course, Paul Emmerich has been tremendous for us last year. Well, the new, new guy that, uh, that I think is really coming is Millie Pulu. Millie Pulu's got, uh, international speed and, you know, he's still very young. So the more we can, we can have him learn. And, and at this camp, you know, Kyle Marshall's a new guy that's come through the club ranks. Um, those guys are really our strike runners. Um, every single one of those guys can break the line, um, have good have good uh, skills passing right and left handing to set up our speed at wide. And again, our, our wings are very fast. They're all international speed. Um, fortunately, we lost one that I thought that was going to be a, uh, a real fine for us this year in Rocco Maurer, who uh, is going going to have surgery this Tuesday. But we still have five quality wings uh, coming into uh, training that are all world-class speed. So I don't know if I answered your question, Alex, or if I just rambled there. But uh, No, that's fine. We, we got a good mix right now. And, and, the, and the athletes that are coming through the camp all fit those slots very well. Well, the, uh, the the other interesting thing about uh, that group that you start mentioning is is how they've developed and and taken their time to 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 get their heads into it as well as being physically prepared. And and Mille Pulu probably wasn't ready to take on this mantle that now maybe he is. Um, Dimitri Eftemiu is is developing as well. And and you know I. I, I Curious as to how, what you do with them in camp in terms of getting somebody who may be a raw talent or developing talent, somebody like you said who's got speed or physicality, and how what do you do to get them start working on the types of running lines that they need to be working on, and it's, and also defensively. The, the, every time we talk about a, a a game and there's an issue within the game, it's usually we're talking about things you'd like to see improved on defense because defense is really what wins those games. Yeah, you know, it, it first starts, the defense starts with individual, uh, making sure that they have the proper technique to, you know, to make those tackles. And for, for our guys that have played uh, traditional American sports like football, you know, we got to make sure that their head's on the right side. Um, we want to make sure that they always lead with their shoulder first, um, that their footwork is in the proper place. So getting that, if I'm going to hit you with my right shoulder, getting my right foot as close as I can to the opposition's body. Uh, we want to make sure that we're hitting guys, driving them. Uh, what we what we say is is fish the leg, and, and try to drive the guy backwards. Now, you know, we have a guy, uh, PJ Kamanyan, um, who's attending camp, uh, was on the squad a couple of years ago, um, and he was just lacking some physicality uh, and missing some tackles. But I, over the last two seasons, domestic seasons, he's really put in a lot of work. Uh, he's put some work in the weight room, but also I think he's just got a, a different attitude about it. You know, he's a guy that only weighs 160 pounds. He's not going to drive, um, you know, a guy like Bachoven backwards. So what I've told him is just like Argentina, they don't necessarily send guys back. So use your, your strengths, take the guy down at the ankles and then get to your feet before him and poach that ball, jackal that ball from the guy. So you, you can't have everybody trying to do the same thing. Um, you know, we got to look for our guys. Some guys are going to make a positive grade tackle where he's going to send the guy back a good meter or so. Other guys, no. So like PJ we want him, and Shalom, we want them to tackle low, 
get to their feet fast and, and poach the ball. Uh, so, so, so the defense, you know, we'll do a lot of actually rugby league type of uh, just defensive drills to make sure that our line is very tight. So we'll play a six, six up and one sweeper traditional sevens defense, and we'll try to apply as much pressure as possible uh, from uh, on the defense. So kind of like what I gave you the prim- principles of attack, what we look in the principles of defense are uh, cutting down, making sure that we've aligned and built what we call our wall. And then once that wall is built, of course, we seek out the ball carrier. If it's the right opportunity, we want to double team them. Uh, we want to cut their space, their decision, the, the amount of time that they have to make decisions. We want to cut that out. We want to, of course, tackle them and take them to the ground and regain possession. And then once we regain possession, counterattack. And to play defense, we know that most international, the best international teams, and you know, when you're talking at the top level, everyone's fit. So that the, most teams start to break down after about a minute, 50 to two minutes of playing solid defense, they'll start to break down. So we have to put them under pressure and and get that ball back um, within that time. And we'll do drills around that to simulate that, that type of aspect. But let me just say, you know, one of the things for for us, especially in the United States is that the more game time we get, because we could do all the drills uh, that you can imagine in, in a camp. And we'll do a lot of scrimmage work between us, but there is no replacement for actual playing. And, you know, that's where the big difference comes that, you know, we could take a lot of guys through simulations, uh, but, but actually playing in the tournaments, that's where guys really, you'll see their, uh, their development and how quickly they could assimilate to the international scene. Al, it seems, it seems like you really, Go to and I, and I, and believe me, I agree with this. The simplicity route, kind of the less is more, you know, learning the techniques that are basic to the success in sevens. You know, you know what I mean? Because essentially, if you try to trick every like a lot of there's, there's two different types of coaches. There's kinds that believe in simplicity and execution of the basics, and then there's guys who believe in surprise, change, and those types of things. And I think that. A lot of times, guys who believe in surprise and change, the opposition can deal effectively with it because even though they don't know what's coming, it, it's not executed that well. And I think that you know, you're, putting thing, you're, you're putting a lot of time on, on execution. I think you started it, and one of the things you wanted to talk about is basic passing technique. The importance of, like you, know, you were saying, when the guy gets a real good long body placement, and you don't even need a first guy over the ball that you can have a guy just come in and play nine, having every player on the team be relatively competent at a scrum half pass off the bat, off the ground from either hand and just basic things. Like what, what would you say? Basic things outside of being tremendously fit that players should have like a, a general skill set that they should have going into camp timing runs like, Pass where the ball, pass where the player is gonna be, not where he is. Fly, you know, come flying onto the ball, come home. You know, I know. And and one extra question I did want to ask you because I always find this interesting, and I, and I, and it's always like I, and I talk about a guy like Aiden Mara who you coached for a while. 
like in 15s, we found that we had to give Aiden the ball early so that he could find his own gap as opposed to try to put Aiden into the gap. Like let Aiden run to a gap and then give him a late ball because it kind of freaked him out. And there's certain, you know what I mean? Like he would maybe drop that ball. And, and do you find that there's players that you have to give him a chance to get the ball early and let him find his own space? And, or are you looking for the guy who can do both? get his own space. And also if he's in a gap and you give him a late ball, he doesn't even think about getting hit. He could still catch it and fly through that gap. You know what I mean on that? Cause you know, it just, and, and I brought up Aiden cause I'm, I'm sure you've seen it when you coached him. Sure. Well, getting back to your, uh, you know, to the first remark that you have, that's why we try to really, really breed and, and, and just, really push the fundamentals down. So if you came to one of our training sessions um, uh, or, or camp, uh, you know, I ask all, we'll, we'll put a designated time, let's say start, you know, 3 p.m. training. Well, I ask, uh, I ask the players, I don't tell them. I ask them it would be good if you come out there 15 minutes before training, no later than 10 minutes before, uh, to work on, uh, on your fundamentals. So you know, we start with one-handed passings, guys standing about three to four meters away, uh, ball on, on the right hip, and they'll use, uh, you know, what we call shooting the gun. So they'll take their hand is basically under the ball and they're rotating their hand in 180 degrees, firing it to their, to their partner right at chest level. And, you know, we want them in a good, what we call position of power. So he's in a, he's not straight up. Um, you know, they'll do that you know, 10 to 20 times with the right hand, then they'll switch to the left hand, uh, and then they'll use both hands, um, and then they'll put the ball on the ground, as you said, Bruce, from a scrum half pass. You know, I don't expect them to be, um, you know, a, a 15 scrum half, but I expect them to, um, especially in sevens, if you're the third guy to that ruck, you are going to be the scrum half. So I want them feeling very comfortable that they can make a pass to their, to their teammate where we say pass for the man, don't pass at the man, you know, pass for the man. Um, so yeah, we work on, we work on those fundamentals. Then we work on the ball placement. Very important. They work individually on, you know, exploding on putting the ball back as far as they possibly can. And then we integrate, you know, a second guy, a third guy. Um, we put in counter counter ruckers in there. So, it, uh, if you, if you're by yourself, you have to hold that ruck. I, the one difference, you know, in sevens and 15s, sometimes in 15s, we could just you know, send two or three guys and just blow over the guy who's trying to jackal the ball or poach the ball. Um, in sevens, if we take one guy and clear him off, you better be careful because the ball may be exposed and then defense picks it up. So you know, they have to know when to blow off the opposition, when to saddle roll them off and how to do that properly. And every single training session, the first uh, 15 to 30 minutes are all, uh, all our warmups are incorporated into those fundamentals. And then as far as, you know, the example you gave with Aiden, what I try and tell our guys is you know, they'll start to get to know each other. And even in a couple of sessions, and I think, uh, you could actually look at, uh, uh, a player is going to tell you when he wants the ball. It's going to like, when I work with wings, no matter how fast you have a guy, you know, we, we had a, uh, uh, an athlete we were working with, Dallas Robinson, who ran 100 meters in 10 seconds flat. 
you know, and that's of course fast and world-class speed, but the guys that are on the circuit aren't slouches and they know good lines of defense. And if you catch that ball and try and go full throttle right away without changing your line uh, or your acceleration, your pace, people are going to catch you. Um, the one thing, Bruce, that I know we talked a little bit about is our technique on, on the ruck. Um, and it's, it's probably what a lot of people are, uh, are teaching in, in 15s and 7s. What we, what we teach is to be very patient when you hit the ground. So you're going to get tackled and you're going to go to the ground. You know, the referee says you have to – or the law says that you have to release the ball immediately. So don't panic. That's something that Argentina really got the best of us over the last few years because we would hit the ground and we would try and offload when we really didn't have control of the ball. So I think I'm really pleased to see that development in our players where they're, you know, they're getting tackled, they go to ground, and they're actually making that explosive effort to get the ball back as far as possible. And then the, his teammate, depending where the ball is and the pressure from the defense – if he has, uh, if he has to, he'll ruck. If not, he'll just take the ball and, and move it to space. Um, and, and we work really. We call one um, that actually we we took from uh, from Todd Clever when he first got to the Lions in South Africa. We call it score the try. So imagine you know being tackled, you're going to, to the ground and you're physically you know scoring a try. So you're you're on top of the ball. And then, you know, you're working, you're using your core to then flip around and get into a jackknife to put that ball back. So that's, you know, one, one mechanism. And again, the key is to make that gate as small as possible so that if somebody is going to counter us uh, or even go to step over and poach the ball, they have to come through that gate. And then the other one is a traditional sweet squeeze ball where, you know, you just lay the egg between your legs. And then my favorite that, that I actually stole from the South Africans is what I'm calling uh, ruck and roll. So when you get tackled, you usually have some momentum. If you're able to, to get your, uh, the defender, um, if he doesn't send you back, if you're able to get some momentum going forward and then hit the ground, you're able to get a roll in there. Um, and then when we get that roll, he ends up being – vertical to a north-south. So now you can imagine that gate is probably only about a foot wide. And then that's where we can try to get the ball out as quickly as possible. On, uh, on the squeeze ball, we don't um, – uh, well, the guys uh, – we're, if, if we're not held, we're going to keep crawling on the ground. And then what we'll try and do, any type of ball placement we do, we're going to try and continue to go um, forward if it's the guys that are – that are sealing, they're going to try and go forward a little bit uh, to clear out the defense. Uh, on the squeeze ball, once we squeeze it down, that that guy who squeezes is going to try and, and drive forward as well. So, Al, putting all this in the practice in Dubai, the teams, and this is in the order that uh, you're going to play them, New Zealand, Argentina, and Zimbabwe, uh, that's a pretty tough assignment. Uh, it is Bronk, but you know, you look at the pools and there aren't any easy pools anymore. Uh, I, I think for once, I'm glad I'm not in the pool with South Africa, Australia. Uh, that's a, you know, their pool is very, very tough as well. Um, but our pool, 
you know, we've never one of the teams that we've never beaten yet is New Zealand. And they're coming off a tremendous campaign at the Commonwealth Games. You know, they, they've gone now 16 straight undefeated games and four Commonwealth um, opportunities. You know, they have uh, one of the best sevens coaches uh, in the world. You know, Titch has been coaching New Zealand for 17 years. So, you know, they are going to be very, very prepared. Uh, they've got two tournaments under their belts already before, before Dubai. Um, to, to beat New Zealand, you have to be flawless. And, uh, what I mean by that is you have to maintain about a 95% tackle rate as a team. So barely any missed tackles. Um, you have to keep your turnover ratio, uh, to a positive, uh, meaning, uh, they turn over more ball than you do. And every time you hit the red zone against New Zealand, we must execute. Uh, and, you know, getting down to the very simple fundamental, we have to win 100% of our scrums, 100% of our lineouts, and we got to retain more than 50% of kickoffs. Um, that, that, those are the keys to, to not only beating New Zealand, but even staying in the game with them. Uh, you know, if, you, if you had the opportunity to watch the Commonwealth final, you know, Australia jumped up to a to a jumped out to a 17-7 lead and just a slight couple of lapses um, New Zealand really took advantage of that so um, we're doing as much as we possibly can uh, as individuals to to stay fit and get even fitter to be able to to combat New Zealand and uh, myself as a coach you know I've I've seen every single game now more than three times that they played in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, have all their games from last year, but you know personnel changes. Um, but New Zealand's got such a factory that I'm I'm assuming that uh, Titch has got a few things up his sleeves too. Um, so to, to answer your question, Brock, we have to play flawlessly. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, that, that's, that's probably uh, too big of an ask of a U.S. team. You know, we've done it before. We've never beat New Zealand, but we've beat some top, you know, six of the top eight teams more than one time now in the last season. So if our, if our players are mentally strong and they execute to their, to their ability, uh, we'll have as good a chance as any to beat uh, New Zealand in Dubai. Uh, and then next time, next team around is Argentina. Uh, and we played them four times last year and, and got the best of them all four times. Uh, the year before we played them three, we only won one. And that one time was, uh, was the first time we ever beat them. So, uh, I know they, they do not want to lose to us again. Um, what we want to do is make sure that, that they never see the ball cause they're very dangerous. Um, uh, so we have, if you look at the, the forwards that we have, um, they're very good ball winners, especially in the air. Uh, Zach Test is, was tremendous last season. I believe he's one of the best in the world um, of winning a high ball. And our kickers, if they're accurate, which you know, we have three of them that are just phenomenal kickers, um, I think we can get the better of, uh, of Argentina again. Uh, and, you know, they're almost like any team. If you, co if you commit more errors – than they do, you're going to lose uh, because uh, you know quality side like Argentina and New Zealand, they will make us pay. And then finally, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is really a surprise team. Um, 
because they're so fast. They have tremendous amount of speed. Uh, you know, they, they, their handling isn't, uh, isn't as fine tuned as other teams because they don't play as many tournaments. Uh, but if they get the ball into space, they can score against anybody in the world. Um, and unfortunately, the United States has never beat Zimbabwe. I think we've only played them. I've only played them once as a coach. And I think we played them a couple more times before that. And they've always beat the U.S. Um, the time when we played them two years ago, we were up uh, 19-0 and ended up losing 23-19. Um, you know, some, it was my first time in Dubai as a coach. And I made a couple of mistakes on uh, – taking guys out a little bit too early, which I um, guarantee you I won't do again this time. But again, looking back at it, we have to execute the fundamentals against Zimbabwe, make sure that we commit less errors than them, um, retain as much ball as possible, win all of our set pieces, um, and we should end up on the, uh, on, the good, uh, on the good side against them as well. We, we have a legitimate chance um, to... to uh, to do well in this pool and go on to the quarterfinals. I think it was either Alex or, or Bruce, you asked me, you know, what are our goals? And I think the quality of the team, you know, last year we finished 10th. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, uh, we dropped the place in, in London uh, and Scotland because we were eighth. So we slipped a couple of spots, but it was still our best finish ever. Um, so, yeah, the, so the players, they have the taste of what they could do, even though we'll have a lot of new guys. Um, but they realize what's required to stay in that top eight in that quarterfinal. Uh, traditionally, we have not done well in um, in Dubai. We've only won, uh, I think, one game out of the three times that I've been there as a coach. Um, and they're, the, the, the factors that we have control over, we're trying to address, we're you know, trying to really hit uh, overcome that jet lag. We, we've got some assistance from the USOC trying a couple of new things with us. Uh, so, you know, those factors we're trying to eliminate so that we can just concentrate on rugby when we get there. Well, Al, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Dubai and, and the jet lag. And I got to tell you that going to Dubai was the toughest assignment I ever had. Uh, flipping around 12-hour difference, uh, you end up falling asleep at, at inopportune and embarrassing moments of the day, which is, is tough. But, uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned tackle rate and you mentioned error rate. And I've seen the USA lose games where you've had 100% tackle rate because of a turnover. Or, and, and one of the things that, that fans might or might not see is the missed assignment. So as nobody missed a tackle, there just was nobody there. What... Um, what are some of the things that y you can do to try to try to avoid that sort of stuff? You know, you can get them to tackle, but if they're not in place to tackle, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. And the, and the other things, we've been talking about some of these technical aspects of, of getting these guys ready for this tournament. Well, if you put someone like uh, Gershon Blaze on the team, completely new to the sport, not only to international sevens, what, uh, you know, how do you get them prepared for this other than just throw them in there? Well, yeah, uh, we're trying to we're going to try and put as much time as we can into camp. Uh, the guys are going to be without without killing them uh, physically. You know, we'll go. Uh, we'll have the majority of the days will be two a days, um, but we'll have three days, which will be three a days. Um, so we're trying to get them you know, up to speed as much as possible in that in that window, and then we'll have a set of scrimmages when we get to Dubai. We'll we'll scrimmage. Uh, 
South Africa, Australia, and I believe uh, uh, Kenya or Arabian Gulf. So we'll we'll put we'll put uh, in in these scrimmages. You know, they're they're not a hundred percent, but they're controlled, and they'll actually help us um, in that same piece that you're talking about, about uh, missed assignments. So, you know, you, you can't be in the, uh, you can't make the tackle if you're not in the right place to make the tackle. So we'll try to, to make sure that from the drills that we're doing, that we're always in that wall and people are identifying the ball carrier. And it sounds very simple, but that's where, you know, I'll always look to pick, um, you know, the athletes that, that are going to have that best communication with each other too. And that definitely strives at camp. So you'll be able to see, you know, which guy actually talks, um, because it, it, you got to let your teammates know that you're there. You know, if, if we know a guy's going to step off, uh, his left foot, he's going to cut back inside. We, you know, there's calls that the guys have that will say, let him through. And you got to trust your teammate that he's going to be there. And he's going to make that tackle. So, yeah, as you said, Alex, the IRB defines a missed tackle in their stats. Once you put the hands on a guy and then you don't complete the tackle. But we actually, when we do our own analysis, we keep track of missed defensive assignments. And that would be one where, you know, I may misjudge somebody's speed where say I say I got him and he slips between, you know, a two and three spot and off he goes. So, uh, I don't know if that answers your question. We'll we'll try to sure. to to make sure that communication is is, is done at at our training camp, uh, and then you know for the starters, uh, we'll go over that as much as possible in the scrimmages. Do you when you make your selections? Do you sit down with someone and say something like, you know, I'm not putting you on the team partly because you don't talk enough, you don't communicate, you've got all these other skills, but you're not part of the team in that aspect. Uh, absolutely. You know, I wouldn't say you're not part of the team, but I would just say that, you know, at, we need you to talk. Uh, and, you know, we have some um, some kids that are shyer than others. And we say that, you know, out here, you know, you need to be talking the whole time because the more you communicate, not only defensively, um, but on attack as well, the more you communicate, the easier you make it for your teammates. And, and especially when they're tired, the more you guys, you know, it's just human nature. When I'm tired, I'm just trying to grab my breath. So my, my talk level is going to go down. So what I try and tell the guys is just how much easier it will be if you really dig deep and you talk to help your teammates out, how much easier that becomes. So, yeah, I definitely will. Um, uh, you know, I'll mention to certain players, you know, why uh, I don't like to compare athletes to each other because I don't want them to get into that mode. You know, when guys look at there and they say, okay, I'm competing for the center spot, you know, I, you know, I'm competing against Holly, Marshall, Pulu, Roland Suniola. I tell them, don't do that. You guys need to focus on you becoming the best that you could possibly be because you have no control over being selected. I'm the one that makes the decisions. So only focus on you becoming the best that you could be and then let the chips lie. Al, moving forward, um, I think that you want to – how do you get the guys to think in terms of the small picture, the next task, 
the next scrum, the next tackle, the next pass, the next, you know, there's a ruck getting set up so that you can use the ball, things like that. Because I think that what's happened in the sevens team in the past is that you've had one good day and one day that you probably want to have back. And, and you, I think you want to this year have more tournaments where you consistently have two days where you accomplish what you want to be able to accomplish, whether you play to your potential or you punch above your weight. And, 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 what are you going to do? How are you going to work that into the mentality of the players that it's just next job? Like it, we, you can't worry about Fiji in, until you play Zimbabwe. You can't worry about, you know, it's just one game at a time, one half at a time, one set piece at a time, one minute at a time. Like one thing, it's just because athletics really is just a series of small, simple tasks that can be executed quite easily. And if they focus on that and, and not worry about what just happened or what's going to happen, just do it. And not to sound like a stupid Nike commercial, but you know what I mean? And, and, and it, does, does that make any sense or, or have I kind of gone off the beam or off the deep end here? No, Bruce, it makes tremendous amount of sense. And uh, any player that's been to our camp, knows that, uh, you know, that, that, that we definitely resonate the same thing. So, um, you know, we have one little saying that we say, play every game, like it's a final. Um, and that mentality hasn't really come to everybody. Um, but most of them, once they start playing in the circuit, realize that, that, you know, God forbid an injury happen and you'll never be able to play again. So, you know, that's one motivator. The other one is, you know, if you say, well, you know, today we're playing against, um, uh, not to you know, take any team down, but, uh, you know, let's say we're playing Mexico, um, and, and, you know, okay, we're going to walk over them. And then, you know, the next game is New Zealand. Uh, well, I got to really pick up my game. What we try to really instill in each athlete is take the same approach, no matter who you're playing. So play every game as if it's that final, because then you don't have those peaks and valleys in your preparation. And then a, a little saying that I take you know, from a famous coach is, uh, you know, we talk about the attention to detail and uh, how important it is, you know, from pulling up your socks to make sure you don't get a blister, you know, on your foot uh, and the reasons for that. Because and you could say, well, so what if I get a blister on my foot? But, you know, that blister on your foot uh, makes you suffer from your performance, which then leads to the rest of the team. And, you know, we like to say is if you take care of the little things, the big things will really just take care of themselves. And you say, well, you know, what are the little things? What are the big things? It's exactly what you said, Bruce. Uh, dominate and win every single battle. So, you know, when I have an opportunity to tackle the guy in front of me, win that battle. Once I'm on the ground, make sure I get to the to my feet before that guy gets to his feet. You know, I have control over that perfect throw and in the line out. No one else can bother me on that. I have 100% control. That needs to be a perfect throw every time. And what I talk and you know, what I try to tell the guys is um, 
you know, do you believe in 100 percent? You know, Alex mentioned that we have had before 100 percent tackle rate and we've lost games because we turned over the ball. And and so most of the guys know that, yes, 100 percent is achievable and should be that desire that we strive for every time. You know, just think of a, an airline pilot. If he doesn't shoot at 100 percent every time, well, you know, nine out of 10 landings, it's OK. On the 10th one, it'll be OK if I crash. So in anything that you turn around in life, you'll see that people strive for 100 percent. And those big, you know, if you focus on the big picture, the guys start to worry about the score. They start worrying about the referees calls. They start worrying about the opponent. Then their individual effort starts to suffer. You know, what I want guys to do is making sure that, you know, if, if your mind isn't focused on the task at hand, you know, you'll start uh, missing your assignments. You'll start missing your uh, going up for the ball in the line out. You'll start to get more turnovers. So I want you to keep your mind and your body focused on the things that you have 1%, 100% control over. Because most of the time, if we take care of those little things and we strive for perfection, then the score, the victory, you know, all those things, they'll take care of themselves. Well, as a pilot, I, uh, I thoroughly agree with you. Landing correctly each time is a very strong motivation, Al. On this show every week, we talk about, with Alex Goff, Vegas next year, because if you're talking sevens, I know you've got Dubai coming up, but in terms of Vegas, Al, you've got to be there, as we say on the show. Well, I, I, I yes. And, and, you know, the, the public, I don't know if you realize how valuable you are to our team. If you really believe that um, that you want to see this see our team do well, um, you by being there going to Las Vegas has huge impact on the players. I mean, you 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 just by listening to the crowd, um, the players get so fired up. And, and I, you know, I, I coined something last year where I said, you know, I don't know if we could win you a cup yet. But one thing I will guarantee you is that you'll be very proud of these young men that will go out and represent the United States for you because they will leave everything out on the pitch. Um, and, you know, last year after Las Vegas, um, you know, we only won the bowl. Uh, we were very happy that the crowd came to support us. We really only played one bad half of rugby in that entire tournament. And I think it was the springboard for us to uh, reach our first final ever in the next tournament, which happened to be Adelaide. So if we can get some things done earlier on uh, this season, uh, we'd love to get to that uh, to win that cup for the for the public. But by no means will you be disappointed. I guarantee you that if you go watch the U.S. in Las Vegas. Tickets, Alex. Yeah, tickets are on sale. Uh Great hotel uh, deals are, are are out there, and uh, you know some really nice hotels with uh, you know we talked about Boyd Gaming and uh, um, Tropicana and Palms and the Hard Rock, and I think that what uh, what Al said about the crowd I think is important. Uh, there's a great sports writer called, from Chicago called Jerome Holtzman who wrote a book called No Cheering in the Press Box, and for the most part you don't want to cheer for a team one way or the other, but it is really fun to cover this and to hear. Know, uh, you know, almost 20,000 people yelling USA, USA. It's something that I know the players don't hear very often 
and they get really energized by it. Last year, the story about the play, players uh, gathering around Marco Barnard, whose father had just died, and, and he decided to play for the for the Eagles, and and they won the the bowl. And Al's absolutely right; it it bounced them straight into a whole bunch of great performances. And let's not forget the year before, they should have been in the final, but they had a a little bit of a, a, a I guess we'll call unluckiness. It is great to see the United States team playing well and to see young players just come up and you're you're surrounded by people and and Bruce you say they're from all over the world they are it's an international family friendly crowd at the same time I think everybody who say somebody's cheering for Samoa or Kenya I think their second favorite team is the USA Al Caravelli thank you very much for joining us doing a great job with the American sevens team and good luck in Dubai thanks for your time today thank you very much Bronco Bruce and Alex, it was my pleasure, and uh, don't hesitate to call. I'd be glad to do it any other time. Yeah, we might touch base with you as you travel around the world. Thanks, Al. Thank you. There he is, Al Caravelli. Uh, thanks for teeing that up, Alex. Uh, good luck with everything. The site is powering along. Thanks. And uh, check out rugbymag.com for all your news. Thanks, Alex. Thanks a lot. I will see you next week. Thank you, Alex, from Olympia on the West Coast. And Bruce McLean, uh, thank you for joining us. Great to see you back and full of beans. Yeah, I tell you, I'm, st I'm starting to fall apart now, though. So, <laughs> Brucey needs a nap. <laughs> I know how you so. feel. It's now turned 4.15 a.m. And uh, yes. looking forward to a bit of a kip, but uh, anything for the show, and it's a good one today. All right, that's episode yeah. 39. Um, Alex, just before you go, there, there are some yes. happenings with the website. There's also some interesting stuff happening. We will be moving into video very, very soon for Rugger Matrix America. And we're going to do this for the American show before we do the international show. So you Great. are a very special audience. And the one thing that I've noticed with what we do with clubrugby.com.au which comes out of Australia is the video is massive in terms of reach and uh, we were able to do a few extra things with video that we can't do on the audio stream we will never abandon the audio part of it because you know there's certain things you you can't do like driving and watching a video I, I don't recommend it anyway <laughs> so <laughs> um, that will never go so that's going to happen and we're going to save it for Rugger Matrix America so Alex that's um, exciting news and that'll happen very soon well yes that's great and it's also we've got the the website has some big changes that are right around the corner I'm just uh, hammering out of uh, a few little details and then we have some big changes on the website too and once that happens, we'll have a full catalogue of the of the previous shows as well. So don't forget to dive back in because it's really interesting when you get a chance to go back and listen at various stages uh, to what coaches have to say uh, before events, and then listening to them afterwards. Uh, there's a bit of a bit of a history lesson there, and you can see how well we predicted things in the past. So well, Alex, thanks for that. Just catching up with some detail. Speak to you next week, and Bruce. Uh, All right. Great to chat to you, and we will speak next week on uh, Rugger Matrix America. Excellent. All right, that's the end of 39. See you all next week.